The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything that you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads, ensure that you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. I've been so pumped to take a couple of friends with our road bikes to some of the trails nearby, and now I can bring the entire crew, my dog, and all of our gear with that third row. Learn more about the new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. You're tuned in to Heat Check with Trista Crick. On this episode of the Heat Check, it's another bonus episode, people. You're welcome. We've got an interview with Brendan Glasheen, who is the play-by-play man for the Maine Celtics, the G League team, as well as the Connecticut Sun, and works for ESPN, DraftKings, and the Action Network on Green Dot Daily. Brendan joined me and my co-host Ryan Horvath on BetMGM tonight on a recent episode, and he actually gave his unfiltered thoughts on the Celtics, the Nets, the Timberwolves, and a ton of other teams. It is a great conversation, so Nick, do me a favor and drop that motherfucking beat. I don't think anyone expected, even myself, as a long, long, lifelong fan of the Portland Trailblazers, that they would sit atop second in the West. What are you seeing from them? Do you think that this is sustainable? I saw on our commercials, some people are already talking about Dame Lillard for MVP, even though he's already missed time with an injury. Yeah, it's pretty incredible what they've done with Dame out. And they're 8-2 and two against the spread this year, so they've been a great covering team this season as well. But uh, I like what Portland did in the offseason. Jeremy Grant, who I thought played some good minutes for the Detroit Pistons, who is still trying to kind of find himself. He's carved out a nice role in Portland. I don't know if it's sustainable. That's the million-dollar question with this team. But when Damian Lillard is on and getting teammates involved, they've got enough knockdown shooters. Grant was 5 of 8 from 3 the other night. I like Little's game off the bench. He made a couple of threes. So they've surrounded Dame with enough shooting that they'll hang in games. And they've played this underdog card. But it's encouraging for sure when he's not in the game that they can still utilize their wing players. Like I think Anthony fantastic player, up and coming player in the league. He's only 23 years old. So sure. It's surprising. I don't know if they're as surprising as Utah. No, <laughs> but, uh, no. because I-, I can't figure that team out. Holy crap. But yeah, this, this whole division out West is, is fascinating based on the start of the season. Since Brendan is a voice of the Celtics G League team, we thought we'd ask him about the job Danny Ainge is doing in Utah. He gave a fascinating answer. I also follow that question up with a, another one on the Wolves, a team that's intrinsically linked to the Utah Jazz. Let's listen in. Yeah, I don't know. Like, again, being based in New England, this, got, this has the feel like Danny Ainge has got his fingerprints now on this operation. It's got the feel of the bridgy Celtics when it was – Isaiah Thomas, Avery Bradley, Jay Crowder. I know Kelly Olynyk's on this roster, too. He was on one of those yeah. bridgy Celtics teams. But it's basically a collection of three-star baseball cards. And these guys are reviving their draft stock. Like, Laurie Markkinen is suddenly 
a hell of a player. Yeah. Like, this was the player Chicago drafted a few years ago. 22 points a game, nine rebounds. The shot volume is unlike anything he's ever had in his career, and maybe that's all it took. I've always liked Mike Conley's game. And Jordan Clarkson was their best player from last year's team, and I think Jordan Clarkson was a guy, by the way, in a bunch of trade rumors, someone who could have easily gone somewhere. They could have gotten a package for him. They decided to hold on to him. I mean, he's the guy. Clarkson's their guy giving the pregame speech before opening night to the fans. Like, it's going to be a fun season, and it just feels like a lot of players speak just to keep the fan base encouraged. But it is, it is something here. But they, but they share the ball, too, which is why I think Utah is a good story. Their offensive rating was number one in the NBA last year. This year, it's number three in the league, and their roster is pretty different. So if they continue to play high to mid-level defense, they're top eight in the league right now in defensive rating. Again, they, they feel like Portland, where they're, where they're extremely feisty. They'll give teams trouble if you don't take them seriously. I'm assuming the numbers as it pertains to their against-the-spread numbers will change drastically soon. I mean, they are, they're covering the spread by 8.7 points, which is incredible. So we'll see what kind of adjustments that uh, come their way. But, again, it's, it's a group of underrated – or not underrated, but guys that have been counted out and they've come together on it. Yeah, no doubt, especially Colin Sexton coming off the bench. Like, he was supposed to be one of the marquee guys for the Cavs and they didn't really want to pay him. And, obviously, getting Donovan Mitchell is was huge, and so you have to give pieces away for that. Another team that gave a bunch of pieces away in the offseason to get a marquee star was the Minnesota Timberwolves. To get Rudy Gobert, they gave up a ton of guys that are now really benefiting from playing in Utah with another bunch of collection of players uh, in the Donovan Mitchell trade as well. So you look at the Timberwolves, they're five and six, but more so, Brendan, they're boring as hell. Like, they are horrible to watch. <laughs> perimeter, perimeter defense has been atrocious. And even more so than that, lots of drama between... You know, Rudy Gobert. They won't let Aunt Aunt Edwards, Edwards eat Popeyes. Yeah, they won't let him eat Popeyes anymore. Crap. You've got some some food shaming by Carl Anthony Towns. Like it, it kind of feels like to me, and I'd love to get your thoughts, that things are already off the rails for the Minnesota Timberwolves. Yeah, it's kind of a weird. The minute that trade went down when Gobert went to Minnesota, uh, wasn't the whole, I mean, you guys tell me. I mean, wasn't everyone like, huh? Like, like how is this going to work? And Seeing Carl Anthony Towns, who can shoot the three, camped out in the corner, it just feels, doesn't feel right. It, it kind of reminds me, it's not a great comparison because he's a little undersized in comparison to Carl Anthony Towns. But when the Sixers brought in Al Horford and you had the component of yeah. Embiid and Horford, it just, it, it just didn't feel right. Like spacing wise, you had Tobias Harris at the three on that team. But with Utah, their idea of this twin tower matchup, I'll be honest, I haven't watched a ton of Timberwolves games, and I'll tell you a game I did watch. They played last week in Phoenix. No DeAndre Ayton. They're at Phoenix. It's a, I think the first quarter line was a short number, and I'm like, okay, Minnesota has no reason to not hang in this game. Ayton out, you have two guys inside who should dominate the game. And they could not have looked more disorganized in transition, in the half-court set. Anthony Edwards, maybe, I don't know, maybe Hustle has got to this kid's head because they can't seem to get on the same page. But even their finishing ability inside is not at the level that we expected when you have this good of an interior uh, duo. They're shooting 47% as a team this season. 
that's not terrible, but it's not as great as it should be when you have two high-rim players inside and they're not making threes. So if you're not making threes with two guys inside that can space the floor, keep you guessing, congest the middle, it's not a great start. They should be in the mix, though, by the end of the season if they get their defense right inside. But it just feels too cluttered. It, yeah. just, it just doesn't feel like the spacing has worked. Finally, we ask him who he likes in the Eastern Conference and what teams are legitimately in trouble 10 games into the season. Cleveland is legit, man. Yeah. Like, I think they've done a really nice job. I mean, it's, it's a trade that's clearly so far worked out for both teams. We just spoke on, on Utah and what they've done without Donovan Mitchell. But Mitchell gives them a guy at the end who is far and away uh, a go-to shot maker and someone you have to account for in clutch situations. I really like Kevin Love, the way he's played off the bench as well this season. Mobley is turning himself into an all-star. I mean, I'm sorry, I can't help but watch this Cavs team and think, what were the Nets doing with this culture? Like, Karis LeVert, uh, Jarrett Allen. Like, the Nets had all these players. And that's a different – we could spend the whole segment on the Nets. I realize that. But just I can't help but I watch that Cavs team. I'm like, the Nets had such a nice mix there before they moved on from these guys. And Darius Garland is no joke of a player either. Eight and a half assists a game. I give him a lot of credit for being willing to give up the ball to Mitchell in those ISO spots at the end of games. Giannis is amazing. Usage rate is number two in the NBA behind Luka. Luka's doing James Harden-like stuff in terms of his usage rate. I think the Jalen Brunson move has hurt Luka um, in terms of asking him to do more. Is that sustainable for 82 games? I don't know. That's why I really like Luka as an MVP. But I don't know if Dallas is as good collectively as a team. But sticking on topic in the Eastern Conference, I think it's three teams right now to me. It's Milwaukee, it's Cleveland, and I think Boston, when they want to be invested defensively, which is yet to happen this season, the Malcolm Brogdon addition has worked out perfectly. I think Brogdon yeah. likes to hear himself talk quite a bit, and he was a great piece in Milwaukee, a hell of a player for the Pacers. But we, we saw the Pacers last year. They weren't trying to win many games, and Brogdon was just a stat stuffer. So what would he look like as a bench piece on a team with real expectations? He has so far said all the right things. He's come in and given them instant offense. He's led their second unit. As long as Marcus Smart keeps his head on straight and does not let his ego get the best of him, still quoting himself in the third person as the reigning defensive player of the year, the Celtics will be fine. I am a little concerned. This is what concerns me a little bit about the Celtics. Milwaukee has proven, even without Middleton, they can reinsert parts and move pieces around. Giannis, like LeBron did for 10 years with the Cavs in the Eastern Conference, he will make it work as long as you are ready and capable to make shots. With the Celtics, Jason Tatum, I think, has arrived. He has taken that next step. Jalen Brown has not played all that well, in my opinion, up to his level. He had a nice game against the Knicks the other night on the second night of a back-to-back. But they need more out of Jalen Brown uh, to be their next star. And then, of course, the, the elephant in the room on the Celtics is they've got to get Robert Williams back because their interior yeah. depth is a huge issue. Yeah, it, huge re- issue. it really is. Between the Heat, who are 4-7, and seven, the 76ers yep. that are 5-6, and six, and the Golden State Warriors, which are 4-7, and seven, who are you most worried about and who are you least worried about? Good question. Wow, that is a tough one because I, I have thoughts on all three of these teams. I think Philadelphia, I, I'm going to leave Philly out of this one because I don't really know yet with the Sixers because I think Maxi is a good enough young player. I like Philly's depth. I think Philly's got some depth there that they can, they can overcome this. 
I'm not worried about Golden State because they have enough championship pedigree, as we all know. I still think the the Jordan Poole, Draymond Green stuff, it will sink underwater. It, it, it will get past them. I'm curious, though, about their motivation. Like, are they, is Clay Thompson really back back? I, I don't know. I don't know if he ever will be. So their depth is a little concerning, but I just think they're too good. And they can squeeze in at the, at the end in the, in the West to be a threat. No one will want to face them. So they're taking the, the long game approach. I will say about Miami, and I think I heard you guys, I, I tuned into you guys earlier talking about this division. I think it's a great point. Maybe Miami looks at it like, do we really have to win 55, 60 games, get the one seed? Like, Boston took us to seven games last year in the conference finals, and we lost on our home floor in game seven. And we beat the pants off them in Boston in one of those games during that series. Like, do we really need home court? Like, I, I get the, the NBA players like to go out in Miami. Like, that's the home court advantage kind of thing, I suppose. But that's really it. Like, are their fans all that good? Sorry, Heat fans, if you're listening. Like, I don't think you're all that good. I just, look, I don't know if their, their surrounding cast is all that good enough. I think they're good defensively, but I don't know if Jimmy Butler's got enough to carry that team again because they felt very Jimmy Butler-reliant in the playoffs last year, and that seems to be coming up to the level now. So I've got concerns. Their culture's great. That's why they're probably going to be better off than I'm saying, but I don't know if their talent's going to be able to get them through the whole season. That's it for this episode, this bonus episode of the Heat Check. Check back tomorrow for an all-new full episode, and do not forget to check out the feed for past episodes and interviews. Please follow us on the Heat Check across the 2022-2023 season. Please download, subscribe, please tell your friends, every single damn one of them. And please, just give us a follow. Follow us on this Heat Check Follow us on Trista Crick on TikTok. The Heat Check never sleeps. Fire takes keep coming. And if you like to bet on the NBA, BetMGM airs Monday through Friday live from 7 p.m. to 11 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. It is also available on demand. You're welcome. Not only on the Odyssey app, but also in podcast form, wherever you find your podcast. Thank you to my co-host Ryan Horvat, super producer Cameron Gray, Brennan Glasheen for this interview, and of course, my producer of this heat check, of the heat check, Nick Berlansky. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time. 